Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Brian. And we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. We hope you're enjoying this episode. You know, it's our goal to make this podcast useful to you. So if you find it valuable, we want you to consider supporting the Bible Bistro financially. You know, there's a cost associated with this podcast, and your support will help us to continue this mission. If you'd like to help, we have set up a Patreon account where you can contribute at any level. Maybe you just want to give us a few bucks a month and buy us a cup of coffee. Or if you support us at $15 or above, you can receive some of our personalized items, like the Bible Bistro coffee mug. Trust me, you're really going to want one of those. Absolutely. You just got to go to our website or in the show notes and click on the Patreon link. And thank you so much. We appreciate our loyal listeners. Welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. Hey, and I'm Brian. And this is the Bible Bistro. I'm, I'm the Brian half of Ryan and Brian. You are the Brian half. We quit saying the half. Well, it, that was just in the intro. Okay. When we, we used do to do anymore. the old way. Okay. The old ways. Not anymore. I remember. That sounds like a church member now. The old that's ways? We used to do it. Yeah, that's my we've, seat. I like, we've always done it this way. That's my I've favorite I've always line. sat in that seat. <laughs> There was a, anyway, anyway, yeah, enough of that. When I died, bronze me and put me back in my seat. Um, <laughs> we shouldn't go there today. All right. So, yes. so yeah, we didn't talk about this last week with Chad, but we, you and you and I and our lovely spouses, I was going to say the help and the, uh, yes, the help also known as my wife and your we, wife, the donor. We all, uh, um, uh, went to, went Chicago. to Chicago, yeah, and yeah. Uh, had an excursion. Ate some good food. We ate. We ate a lot of food. We. T- I mean, you and I. Where? Where have you and I gone that we haven't eaten a lot of food? <laughs> yes, <laughs> but we came back, and I'm like, I have to like purge. Like, I have to like give me lean meats and vegetables for a while. Oh, it was good though. It was, we had, we had ramen at Umai, which is one of my favorite places up there. And we ate, found a new brunch place that was really good. I enjoyed yes. that a lot. That half of good. Chicago was there. <laughs> and half of, the, half of the visitors of Chicago were there. And half the visitors of Chicago were there. Yeah, and then when we f- left, you know, downtown broke out into a riot. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's a bad it, did, joke. it did after we left. It did but. that night. Anyway, so anyway. we went to Chicago, saw a great concert. Yeah. It was a, it was a band called Scary Pockets. Scary Pockets. It's yeah. on YouTube. So if you're watching us on YouTube and you like music, you can look up Scary good, Pockets. It's good, it's good music. And it was a great show. The uh, The interesting thing about it is it's hard to explain because somebody's like, scary pockets who's that like they're expecting some kind of thrash metal or something and and I, or what is it death metal i don't know i don't know what that means <laughs> i don't but either it, it it's <laughs> it's they they do funk covers of popular music it's yes. and, and people kind of look and you say that and you're going okay yeah so. some of its older remixes yeah. you know some from of newer some of its yeah. newer stuff but it's a lot of fun i mean a lot it was of fun. A it was, fun it was a great show fun concert so, so. yeah we did that anyway. so the bistro was on the road for that yeah but now we're fun. back in our remote bistros yes recording a podcast for you <laughs> our listener and this is i think this is going to be an interesting topic it, it, it may even bring in some new listeners some people who aren't familiar with us if if you aren't familiar with us i would encourage you to go back and listen we've got 
over a hundred, a hundred, a hundred <laughs> over a hundred episodes, which is hard to believe. But go back and listen to some of the others. You'll find some other stuff on the book of Revelation, which is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Revelation 13, particularly if you want to, as you're hiking and listening to this, if you want to turn in your Bibles to <laughs> Revelation 13, is what we're going to talk about. Everybody's got it just handy right there with them. I was thinking about this last week when we talked to Chad, and uh, you you said, well, who's the author of Hebrews? And I thought, you know, that's one of those questions. Anytime you somebody finds out you teach the book of Hebrews, that's going to be the question you get. Whenever anybody finds out I've taught the book of Revelation or I've, you know, I've spent any time uh, studying it, dealing with it, this is one of those questions that I get. Oh, well, what is what is the mark of the beast? Usually it's well what is what is the meaning of 666 is is the way it's said. Some people don't even I think realize it's the mark of the beast. But it's kind of funny. It's it's one of those things we've talked about before that I think there are all kinds of ideas out there about because it's a cultural mark more than it is from from Bible study. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the passage where it's mentioned is only one place is in Revelation 13. I should say there's only one place. There's, there's one place where we find 666, and then later in Revelation it refers back to it. We'll look at that in, in, in a little bit. But go ahead and read this for me, Ryan, if you would. Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18. Yeah. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. And and that's that's the funny thing. Not the funny thing, but that's the thing about this. So let me tell you, one time, this happened on multiple occasions, but I remember very specifically one time I was in a uh, grocery store and I just picked up a couple of things and I don't even remember what I I bought, but, but the cashier rang them up. The total with tax came up. Six six six, and she goes, "Oh, I don't like that number." And Did me you just being buy a me, pack of gum? Did you buy a pack of gum then to get it past no. that? No, she's like, "Oh," and and you could tell it freaked her out. I don't like that number, and I said, "Well, why?" And she said, "Here," and I quote, "She says it's the devil's number," is what she said. And, and you know that that just goes to show you, you know, it's in Revelation, it's called the 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 mark of the beast or the number of of, of the beast, and. You know, people have these just these ideas about what it means. You know, when I was in high school, you know, I can remember certain heavy metal artists. I know what heavy metal is. I don't know what death metal is, but heavy metal artists would put this number on their album covers, right? Six, 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 yeah. and 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 that's it, how you knew they were rock and roll, right? <laughs> right. And, and so, you know, it's it's kind of this this it's taken on this cultural life, like some other things we've talked about. There are other times we've talked about the fact that the cultural understanding we have of certain things somewhat obstructs our our understanding in in a how to say this in using good biblical study principles, and and the book of Revelation as a whole I've mentioned before is probably the biggest example of this that uh, people have ideas about what it means. They bring their own things into it. So they'll talk about the Antichrist. We mentioned before, I know, that um, you know the word Antichrist never occurs in Revelation. Uh, we are going to talk about the beast and uh, a couple of beasts, actually, and the dragon today. And, and so it's, it's that kind of an idea. I, I was going to start off with this, Ryan. I remember when I was a kid, some of the things that were said about this. But there's been all kinds of things that have been identified with this number what what kind of things do you remember do you remember anything that, um, that well 
I I think barcodes at one right. point were a right. big thing. Like that's, and I'm sure since then it's been like I don't know chips. Kind of, there's been right. like oh we're gonna have these chips in our arms to pay for things. Or, right. You know, give you medical information. And I've heard and, even yeah. recently the vaccine. You right. know, vaccines are the mark of the beast. All these. Right. Things. Fun things. <laughs> right. So here's how this got started. Actually, it was a student of mine that sent me, you, you know, I, you know, I get questions from st- former students all the time, but you know it's going to be a problem when you just get a message that's a TikTok video. And that, that might, TikTok <laughs> might be the mark of the beast. Let's come back to that. I think that might be the beast tool. Anyway, right so I, I started, I listened to this video and a lot of times I'm just kind of like, but you know, it actually started off. I thought, oh, he's, he's going someplace with this. But then at the end, he's just kind of like makes this declaration and you're like okay you didn't really answer the question it wasn't so much that he was off on what he was saying because what he was saying is true basically he was saying that that uh the shema is what you bind on your foreheads and on your hands and of course it says anything without the number written on their foreheads or their hands they're not going to be able to buy and sell Uh, and so he was saying that basically to love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength and to love your neighbors yourself is the Christ thing to do and the antichrist thing to do is to hate your hate God and hate your neighbor. And I'm like, so he's like the mark of the beast is hating your, and I'm like hating your neighbor. Yeah. What does it have to do with the number though? You know? So anyway, like, like I said, it started off promising kind of went downhill. I, you know, I, I did this thing. I, I went on YouTube and I, I just, um, you know, cause this, this, we, we post our, podcast on on youtube and in fact you may be watching it on youtube right now in which case what i said was really redundant but anyway i i went and and searched uh what is the mark of the beast and all kinds of things popped up you know just all kinds of explanations uh you know some of them are not bad a a couple of them actually there was one uh that was an excerpt i don't i need to look up this it's a national geographic special with um Oh, what's his name? He's read the Bible. Um, <laughs> what's his name? He's read the Bible. <laughs> he's narrated it. That narrows it, it down. He's, he's narrated it. Um, oh, that guy that read the Bible with the oh, face. He's got a great voice, but and he's I, got I'll, ears. I'll, I'll, I'll think talks. of it later. Yeah, I'll think of it later. Anyway, but uh, it was actually pretty good. It, you know, they went and actually talked to a scholar about it and, and came Bart up with some pretty good, no, it wasn't Bart Ehrman, but anyway, I, uh, so, so I got this video and I said, I said in response, well, that wasn't really that great. I sent it to you. You watched it too. Isn't yes. that correct? And, uh-huh. and I said, well, maybe we'll do a podcast episode on this. And, uh, and so this is, this is a, a shout out to my former student who sent me that TikTok video. This is, I'm going to give you the definitive answer to, to your question. The, no, all our questions will be answered. <laughs> now, do you think it's, you know, I said, TikTok is 666. Yeah. TikTok has six letters in it well i'm gonna give you one i'm gonna give you one that you may not remember now now the barcode i because barcodes i'm I'm old enough that i can remember when we didn't used to scan things when when, like the cashier actually typed in the number of stuff Mm -hmm. and so that was the idea you know that was the first one i heard when i was a kid because the barcodes were coming in and and they were saying you're not going to be able to buy anything without that doesn't have this universal product code on it up upc on it and and so you know a lot of people jumped on that they looked at the there's three segments that are six long or something you know and they made it into this i'm going to give you one i bet you've never heard this so do you know uh ronald reagan's middle name no i think it's wilson if i remember correctly i'm now now i'm going to get somebody to correct me on that but 
it, Ronald has six letters. Wilson, Wilson, Wilson has six letters, and Reagan has six letters. Trickle so down when economics. <laughs> When he was elected, uh, I remember people talking about, "Oh, it's he's he's the beast, he's the antichrist." And anyway, take, well, take he's that an for actor. <laughs> he's an actor who takes on oh, political. Oh my god! Take take that for what you want, but but anyway, my point is, is there's been lots, like you said, there's been lots of things identified over the ages th- about this. Um, and everybody, uh, my experience is everybody's looking for ways sure. to make something yeah. out of, make something into 666, <laughs> right. whatever the mark is. Sometimes there's another agenda perhaps, or, you know, but I think there are, there are people legitimately wanting to know, but they're kind of going about it wrong is, is what I would say. So the, the first thing we've used this, this as kind of a test before is yeah, there's prophecy in, in Revelation, but. It also needed to make sense. And in fact, this part particular, do you, do you remember at the end of what you read there in verse 18? It says, it says, let the, the person understand and calculate this number, you know, calls it, for it, wisdom. It, it was written for the people. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Cause that's, that's probably re- reference to Daniel. Um, uh, but it's, it's a, um, it, it's, it's, it would have been meaningful to the original recipients of this letter from, from John on the Isle of Patmos. So we're always asking the question, how did the original recipients understand these things? Now, I understand Isaiah, for example, um, there are examples in Isaiah we can look at now after Christ and we can see how there was an immediate fulfillment, but there was also another long-term fulfillment. I, I, I get that. But my point is that there always was a meaning for the original recipients. There was always that that initial um, uh, meaningfulness to it. And I think that that's the same here. So one of the other problems is, of course, we always say, don't don't take things out of context. So let's go back and look at the context of chapter 13 a little bit. There's there's We're, we're introduced to kind of all these characters. Um, and, and in chapter 12, we were already introduced to one character, and I'll come back to say something about that in a minute. But then in chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, we find this this. I was going to say person, but really this <laughs> this image uh, that's introduced here. Go ahead and read verses one through four for me, if you would. Yeah. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they all worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? Now, later on, and we always use the principle, Scripture always is the best interpreter of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Later on, John tells us that that this beast is the is the city that exists on seven, seven hills. hills. So we're talking about we're talking about Rome. Uh, is what we're talking about here. And and horns in apocalyptic literature, we see this all the way back to Daniel. There's lots of references here to Daniel. The, all that animal imagery too is is Danielic. It, 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 horns tend to uh, stand for rulers. Uh, so, for example, Daniel talks about these different kingdoms that were to come, and in particular, he talks about this one goat <laughs> that comes from the west and, and has one prominent horn between its eyes, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that goat comes and it says its feet don't even touch the ground. That's how fast it's going. You know, it's like one of those cartoon characters that's that's moving and yes, and, and Road feet runner. aren't. 
Right, it's feet aren't even touching the ground. Yeah, and and it, it it at the height of its power, it it defeats the the previous kingdom. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's talking about Alexander the Great, and mm-hmm. and it, he defeats the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. I won't go into all detail. I think we've talked about that before. We may we talk have. about it again, but but at the height of its power, it says that horn broke off. Talking about Alexander dying young, and four other horns grew up to take its place. And it's talking about the way that Alexander's kingdom was divided into four parts. So these, how many horns does it does it say that there is here? Hmm. Uh, ten horns. Ten and horns. Seven heads. Seven heads, which is kind of a weird weird deal. But this idea of ten horns um, is going to be standing for these these various rulers. Uh, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say that that when Daniel was writing the the fourth, he writes about four kingdoms. The fourth kingdom that he talked about was the kingdom of Rome, uh, and, and so now John is living under the author of, of Revelation is is living under Roman rule, and in fact he's he's already being exiled because of his his belief in in Jesus and uh, you know his maintaining the testimony is what he says and so he's in exile on patmos by rome's power as he's writing this as he's writing this letter and so those 10 horns that are on this beast probably stand for the caesars the the emperors that would have existed during that period of time uh, and, and there's different ways to count this and it gets very complex and and there's some debate over this generally speaking most um, students of revelation most people who spend a lot of time in it understand this to be the Roman Roman emperors in one one way or the uh, uh, one way or another um, so so that's the first beast um, that's mentioned and I'm gonna go ahead and say there's another beast we're going to get to and just so we're we're clear on this the number when we talk about the number of the beast uh, if we use that shorthand way to refer to it when we talk about 666 that is a reference to the first beast, not the second beast. And I'm, I'm going to show you why. Uh, flip over, if you would, just a couple chapters to Revelation 15. And just okay. read verses 1 and 2 for me there. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with seven last plagues. Uh, with seven last plagues. Last, because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire, and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. Okay, so that's referring to that first beast that that, that they're victorious over. Mm-hmm. And so this refers back, as I mentioned, to this chapter 13 where it talks about mm-hmm. the number of the beast. And they've, they've maintained, they've been able to... Um, not compromise their faith. They've been able to maintain their their faithfulness uh, through all of this. So this beast that, that's referred to, and, I, and again, I've already said I think it's Rome, uh, and I'm going to tell you why I think it's coming up out of the sea in, in just a minute. But notice that this beast is coordinating with the dragon. And dra- the dragon was already introduced in the last chapter, and we had a whole uh, set episode on that. Go look it up if you if you haven't listened yep. to it. It's it's a pretty good one, I think. But anyway, um, that's us. <laughs> back in Revelation chapter twelve, verses seven through nine, John specifically identifies this dragon. 
he he says there. Uh, you can go back and read it if you want. I was just gonna. You mean, I'll go, read no, go here. Ahead, yeah, 12, go ahead and read it. Seven through yeah. nine. Then war broke out. Broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, Satan. Okay, yeah, the uh, accuser. Who, we've talked about yeah, that who before. Leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. So, so that whole idea of the ancient serpent, you know, takes us back to the garden, even, and and we have this image of the devil, or, or you know, and this this word, the the accuser. So all these titles wrapped up together in order to describe this dragon. So the first beast. This is really what what um, John's message is about. Is this first beast is working in conjunction with none other than that ancient foe. The 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 serpent Satan. Satan. Mm -hmm. That's that's who he is coordinating with this beast, and so if we're talking about Rome and we're talking about you know it's not only the emperors but it's entire system right. Mm -hmm. They are the ones who are controlling commerce. They're the ones who are controlling buying and selling is what it comes down to. Uh, Not to give away the ending or make make it a bit too too simple, but but. You know they are they are working. This first beast is working in conjunction with the dragon. Now it says that 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 beast came up out of the sea, and I think that this is an image. I'm not the only one who thinks this. I think this is an image of the ships that would have come uh, to to places like you know not only Patmos but also we keep having these references. I think to the Holy Land as well, to Jerusalem and Israel, and, and the ships as they would have come across the Mediterranean from Rome bearing. <laughs> troops and messages from the emperor and trade and all this stuff would have come up out of the sea. In other words, as they get close, they look like they're coming up over the horizon. And, and so I think that that's, that's what's going on with this idea of the beast that comes up out of the sea. Was there anything else? There was, seems like there was something else in those first four verses I was wanting to refer to. Was there any other questions that you had? About the beast coming out? Yeah. yeah well, you, first... I mean, you talked about the, the sea part of it. I mean, yeah. did uh-huh. I mean, is there anything just oh, particular yeah. about the sea? I mean, have you already? No, I think it, I think it's just a reference to that's where where that power is coming from, right? It's coming from overseas, let's say from from Rome, from headquarters. Gotcha. Uh, so so to speak, and we're going to see. I think that's significant when we start talking about the second beast here in just a minute. Um, I'll mention this briefly. I said I didn't know if I was going to or not, but uh, that reference to 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 having wisdom. And understanding is probably a reference to Daniel. Uh, if you look in Daniel chapter 11, it talks about this mighty foe of God's people. Now, Daniel's talking before this occurred, in my opinion, about an enemy of the people of God called Antiochus Epiphanes, who tried, we've talked about him before, mm-hmm. who tried to wipe out God's people. And uh, here's what Daniel says about him in verse 11. His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress. They will abolish the daily sacrifice. They will set up the abomination that causes desolation, probably a reference to an idol that that Antiochus Epiphanes set up in the temple temple. crowns, a a graven image uh, with his own image, by the way, as I mentioned before, in the temple, uh, the abomination that brings desolation. With flattery, he will corrupt those who violated the covenant. And here it's talking about basically seducing God's people onto his side. Uh, And there were a number of Jewish people in the time of Antiochus Epiphanes who took his part in this because they could see where the power was. And so they they gave up their 
faith essentially for for this. Uh, and and here's what it says: He will corrupt those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will firmly resist him. Those who are wise will instruct many. Um, and and then it, you know it says even though they will they will fall to the sword they'll they'll have persecution. This is the same message that John is giving. Basically, he's saying we need to have wisdom in this time when we're dealing with um, powers that are calling God's people to um, what's the word? I'm, compromise their faith, uh, you know, for the sake of commerce, right? In order to be in good graces with the Roman government, um, it requires wisdom to be a person who's able to withstand that kind of temptation, persecution. That's the message I think that John has. That's what John 13 is really, or Revelation 13 is really about. John has this message of standing firm uh, despite the the pull, the 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 seduction uh, of of giving yourself over to Rome is the way that well, I would understand that. And, and what's kind of interesting, you're talking about wisdom here. Again, I've mentioned several times we've been going through James. James right. talks about right. you know wisdom and the face, and they're fi- they're facing financial persecution during this time. Right. And James says, you know, talks to them about praying for wisdom, right. wisdom to understand these things. And uh, I'm reading here James three fifteen. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but it's earthly, right. you know, talking about how, you know, fighting, the, there, there's sure. a fight going on here the exactly. same way that wisdom is, the wisdom is the key to, yes. to, to, to fighting this. And, 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 you know, we've talked before about the revelation is really more of a manual. It's not so much about let's, let's tell the future, uh, you know, so how will I recognize the, the, the beast when he arises? Um, well, he'll do beastly things, is the main thing, you know, and, yeah. and he has in the past, you know, this isn't, this isn't just a, a future thing, but this is, this is about how God's people can live godly, faithful lives in the midst of, uh, of a corrupt, um, earthly government, governmental system. Uh, essentially, one that is that is calling us to compromise our faith. So we'll get, maybe we'll get to application later. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we may be able to find some application yeah. here. I don't know. Well, one thing that I always, when we talk about the sign, or I've had yeah. people talk about the sign, but also there are God's people are yes. sealed with the sign and revelation. Yes. And so yeah. usually when they're asking me like, well, what's the sign of the beast? And I said, well, what's right. the sign of God's people? And what is it? What is, what is it? What that, that, yeah. 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 Well, it's, I mean, it just, <laughs> he, has, he has their name written on their foreheads, right? Yeah. He, he, he's identified, you know, I say the same way that Andy wrote his name on Woody's heel, you know, God has his name written on our foreheads. Right. And it's the, the forehead really has to do, I think, especially mine today has to do with a very obvious, you know, something's written on your forehead it's not going to be hidden mm-hmm. uh, something's bound on your wrist something's written on your wrist you, you know you're going to see that and, and so so that's what it is i'm identified i want to be identified by god not not by you know his his enemy yeah well that's understand. i've always said it's like well no it's it it's it, when I say this to someone who's looking for the sign of the beast, I'm like, right. okay, well, if the sign is his name on your forehead, do you think you're physically going to see, do you have his name physically written on your forehead? Well, no. Well, maybe the sign of the exactly. beast isn't a physical thing for us to be looking exactly. for in that way either. Yeah. That we, you know, it's sometimes it's easy we get stuck on the negative. I'm trying right. to find the the, the bad guy, but yeah. kind of going. 
what is it that's so intriguing about these these kind of thing? You know, this oh, this is what I want to know. I want to know, you know, what the mark of the beast stands for. This kind of thing. I want to know I, the well, signs I, signs of the apocalypse kind of thing. You know, well, I think it's, part of it is is you know we talk about spiritual battle and battling right. against things we can't see. I think sometimes as Christians we're looking for what's the physical thing. I know that like mm. this is my enemy. Right. Like, it's just kind of say like, oh, now th- these are the lines. I know sure. I've stepped too far this way. You know, sometimes we look we look for a fight. It's a bit. <laughs> I mean, but it's it's a bit more subtle. You know, it can be more subtle sometimes. The seduction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Often it is. Well, let's look at the second beast then, verses eleven through twelve, and we'll, we're going to come back to the number. Don't don't despair. We're, we haven't abandoned our first. <laughs> we have not purpose despaired. Here. Or, yes. <laughs> All right. So thirteen, 11, eleven through twelve. Yeah. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its uh, the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Okay. We oh we that's the thing we need to come back to in in the first part and we'll we'll get to that in just a minute. This idea of it it had a, a what appeared to be a fatal wound but mm, then came yeah. back to life. And I think I think that's that's the key to understanding this entire chapter and we'll get to that in just a minute. So the second beast um is uh is works in coordination with the first beast. Do you see basically he works by its authority. Mm-hmm. And and this beast is described as coming from the earth. So we have the beast that comes up out of the sea. And I've said to you, I think that's re- representing these boats coming from Rome, these ships coming in from Rome. And they're working in coordination then with local governments in order to accomplish their their will. In other words, there are local officials in places like Jerusalem, or in places like um, you know in Greece that are that are accomplishing and putting into practice the Roman policies. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're working in conjunction, but you know, it's, it's interesting. Did you see that symbolism? They look like a lamb. Like they look like they may even have, you know, those religious kind of features, you know, like we've seen the lamb already mm-hmm. um, being, a, you know, standing for Christ. They have that appearance, uh, maybe even working within the religious circles, and we're going to see this. We see this even within uh, when Antichrist is mentioned in First and Second John, for example. Uh, you've got them coming from within the church, right? That are working against what God is doing, uh, and we can see examples of that today. We've we've talked about a few. We've listened to some podcasts about a few ourselves, mm-hmm. right, Ryan? Yeah. And and, and so so it, even from within the church, you can find these. People who are harming, uh, who are harming the church, harming God's people. Um, but yeah. this, uh, go ahead. Yeah. So I've read in a couple places, and I don't know if it's on the same path here. Not necessarily like local governments, but it's been more like the um, kind of the occultic priests of the people. You know, what I mean, local like the leaders, the, yeah, yeah. the local leaders, yeah. or you know, that basically saying like they're the ones that are saying worship the emperor. You know, like they're the ones yeah. that are giving the cultic uh emperor worship its power you know these right. the the local people local so representatives okay so yeah. not yeah. so when you said government i was thinking well yeah i mean I, it, I guess i was on that kick but yeah okay. you're right i mean it, it has that it has that idea that i would say the local leaders you're okay, right okay like a cultic so, the, the 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 people that yeah. were empowering the cult 
uh, the, sure. emperor. the emperor cult. Yeah, yeah. The worship of the emperor. And that, that was the other thing I should have mentioned at the very beginning. Now I'm remembering everything I was going to say. Uh, Welcome and, and back, Brian. <laughs> full disclosure, I, I forgot my, I usually have my Bible up on my iPad and that helps me remember. I forgot my iPad today, so I'm trying to do this from memory. But but uh, in Revelation um, 13, at the beginning there, it talks about that those that, that each of those horns had a blasphemous name. And when you think about blasphemy, you're thinking about something that sets itself up in place of God, right? Right. Uh, this is when when Jesus um, is is claiming divine authority. This is what he is um, accused of by the religious leaders, right? Is blasphemy, and so it, that that's where we're getting to this idea that the. the, the emperors the caesars are setting themselves up in place of god and demanding worship you know it's a, so it's a, it's a kind of a false religious um sense it's what it, but, it, but it's really about power and i guess that's where i was going with the government on the leaders in that way by the way the parallels with daniel again Antiochus worked with the high priest. In fact, he used the high priest. He made the high priest position basically one that you could buy <laughs> mm-hmm. instead of instead of one that was recognized by the people. It was one that he appointed. Uh, and of course, the Romans followed in this, that uh, instead of, as the Old Testament scripture said, a high priest being high priest to, to, for life, they were the ones who appointed high priest and they were, they were to be uh, appointed uh, leave office every seven years, so so that they didn't have that kind of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a way to 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 influence that as well, I think. So so that's that second beast. Um, they're working in conjunction with Rome. I was going to mention this. Uh, I talked about the lamb, but then it says they speak with the voice of the dragon. Right. Yeah. So again, that dragon, who's the ancient serpent, who's the, the liar, who's who's the father of lies, uh, according to First John. Um, that's how they're speaking. They're not speaking truth. Uh, they're speaking uh, speaking lies. Okay. Now, now read verses thirteen through fifteen, and here I think we're going to really start to get it what this means. Okay, thirteen through fifteen, and it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Okay. So we've got this this repeated theme throughout chapter 13 of the beast that appeared to be killed but wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the interesting contrast, of course, is all the way back in chapter 5, we have one of the most beautiful images, which is um, the, the lamb. Oh, yeah that has been slain standing. He did not, it's important. He did not appear to have been slain, but this is a lamb who was slain and is now standing. And in contrast to this, you have this kind of um, false miracle of one who appears to have been killed, but has now come back to life. And this goes to something. And this is what I responded to my student when they sent me that in the first place. I said, well, I think it's Nero Redivivus. And they're like, what? Let's Nero Redivivus. There was this (laughs) Nero, of course, the emperor was was a big persecutor of the church, Mm -hmm. Um, and and it's it's under Nero that Peter and Paul uh, both died. um, uh, Was were both both killed? Both uh, um, you know, state state executed them under under Emperor Nero. Uh, That that's you know, when it took place, uh, Nero though, had at some point 
uh, committed suicide. But there was a rumor, and this mm-hmm. is what it's a legend. This is what Nero Redivivus is: uh, is there was a legend that he had not really died, but he was away, and at some point he was going to come back, and he was going to take Rome once again. Uh, he was going to gather his armies, and the the rumor was he was in in Parthia. Is is typically where this this. Uh, came. I, I gave you one quotation here in in our notes, um, mm-hmm. Ryan. Believe it, people are like when you really have notes. I thought you yes. guys were just doing that top of your head. Now, so, and was it okay? What, I'll let you go full ahead. read no, this. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So what I've what I've read maybe about Nero uh-huh. is that he was going to be he was going to be cast out. Yes. As and then he had did he stabbed himself. That's the rumor. Was that right. the rumor that he yeah. said th- suicide? That, he, that it wasn't really a, a fatal wound, but he went yeah. into hiding mm-hmm. and he was going to come back. And the crazy thing about this is, is that people were believing this for hundreds of years after this, uh, that he was going to return with, with marauding armies. And, and so we think, and I think that this is what this is a reference to this idea. And, and because it went it, during the time of Domitian, is one of the times that this was revived. And this is when I think the book of Revelation is written. So Domitian is an emperor of Rome after Nero. After Nero. And he and was also not a very nice person. Exactly. And so so the, basically this is what's come back now. This, this persecution mm-hmm. of the Christians under Nero has now returned. Is yeah. the, is and the Domitian idea. is the emperor during the time that John is writing Revelation. I think so, yes. Yeah. yeah. And we haven't, I don't think we've ever done one on the date. I've, I've, I've threatened to do one on the dating of Revelation, but there's reasons we believe, myself and others believe, that it was written during the reign of Domitian. There's a couple of different uh, uh, possibilities, but I think it's under the reign of Domitian. And, and part of it's because of what I said, those 10, those 10 horns, uh, mm-hmm. depends again on how you count your Caesars. Uh, they don't make it easy, but count your Caesars, name them one by one. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, I think it's during the reign of Domitian. This is this is part of the rumor. Now, I gave you part of the Sibylline Oracles. I don't know if you've ever read the Sibylline or- Oracles before nope. or not. Okay. Has, it hasn't made it to my reading list yet. <laughs> so the Sibyls were, they gave these, there's a couple of really famous stories from antiquity about them, but they, they would give these, they're a little like Nostradamus, okay? They gave these prophecies in very vague terms, right? In in these kind of long, um, oh, how, how do I say this? Basically, these couplets that that have, and, and so then, you know, it's kind of like no, if you've ever read Nostradamus or you've ever watched a you know, oh, I watched National Geographic Channel. special, <laughs> right? You know, the, it, it's like, can how can we interpret these things? You know, there's it's kind of they're vague enough. You know, it's not quite it's not quite as vague as you know a horoscope or something like that, but it's it's got that kind of feel to it that it's like, uh, what's going to happen? And so, a couple of different times, the Sibylline oracles refer to this to this Rero 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 Redivivus uh, story. And one of them I gave you is out of Book Four, uh, and I'm not going to necessarily read the whole thing, but it says a mighty king. This is this is a Book Four starting in line or stands at 155. A mighty king shall like a runaway slave flee over the Euphrates stream unseen, uh, unknown who shall sometime dare loathsome guilt of matricide and many other things, having confidence in this most wicked hands, uh, and, and basically it talks about he'll flee Rome's soul to the Parthian land. This is in uh, line 161. And then later, 
It will talk about this idea out of Syria will come Rome's foremost man who having burned the, the temple of uh, Solima, which is which is the, the Sibylline Oracle's way to refer to Jerusalem. So this is probably talking about the time of Titus and Vespasian uh, and the sack of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And the interesting thing about this is that this is another time that this Nero read Vivis, you know, because that only been a few years after Nero's death. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That we we even after his death, it's, yeah. it's the the temple's being torn down, and we're getting yep. this revisited idea. Of yes. He's coming still. He's coming back, and he's going to be in charge again. And <clears throat> the same way that he caused persecution before, he's going to do it again. Uh, but then down later, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm, I've got uh, some allergies. It's uh, it's a nice day outside, but all the trees are budding and stuff. Yes. So. so we get we get this idea. So this is, <laughs> so this would be that. this is written after. 70 or 80. So we're yes. just kind of establishing again yeah. that there was this this kind of myth of Nero right. coming of back Nero again. Coming back to, and so down in verse 80, it says, shall he, or uh, 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 178, shall also come the fugitive of Rome bearing a great spear, having marched across Euphrates with his many myriads. And so there's the idea. You, you see, he went into exile in Parthia in the Euphrates. That's, that's the rumor. Right. And then he's going to come back with armies and he's going to march and he's going to, he's going to basically take over again. That was the, that was the legend. And so I think what John is doing here is he's referring to this common thought uh, that people had about this this Nero, uh, this emperor that was going to die and come back to life. And uh, he sees it again in, in, a, in a sense parallel to what's happening with the persecution of Domitian. That is, you know, he's he's on he's in exile in Patmos because of Domitian. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he's bringing back what Nero had done before this, he's coming in the same kind of power that, that, that Nero had against God's people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So questions on that or comments. So, uh, so was, I mean, I'm just for my reference. So was Nero considered, because I haven't read all this past literature. I mean, Nero also didn't do a lot of great things for Rome. Is he considered like a positive figure in Roman at this time? Like there I were, think back on him as like as yes, a positive figure. There, there definitely were people who thought of him as positively. Yeah, but during his own, he was not a great. Yeah, he was not a great emperor, like you said. But he also passed the blame. We think. Uh, you know, on to Christians. That's one of the reasons the persecution broke out. Now, that's that's from a later. From the, and I, but the big, big fire, he said. And and I'm going to acknowledge this, the the first reference we have to that is a fourth century Christian historian. Mm. So there's debate about that, but um, that well, that's a subject for another day, maybe. But but again, yeah, the the um, every indication seems to be that the things that he caused. Uh, he would blame, you know, when they when they turned out negatively, he he would blame those on on other people. For example, Christians, and and so, you know, <laughs> can you imagine having differences of opinion on the same politician? But uh, you know, <laughs> we're all unified today. <laughs> there were there were definitely people who were in favor of. <laughs> Okay, I just, I just didn't know if like, as if he was only a negative to the Christians, or if like if everybody's like right. kind of in fear 
that he might be coming yeah. back. I mean, there definitely was fear as well. Like, yeah. so even if you weren't a Christian, there was fear. He was yeah. just buying his time, and then he was going to come and in. And we do the interesting thing is, people. we clearly have some references to Parthians in in the Book of Revelation as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of these are the ones with the bows across the exactly, Euphrates, taking That's, the Parthian shot, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we have them re- referred to in the Book of Revelation as well. I think the the, the they they look like locusts, uh, except they have long blonde hair. Get it? Um, you know, and so um, anyway, that's all right. Maybe, so maybe we'll, subject for another day. So let, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, no, I was ahead. just going to say. So here's the question: We said it's Nero. <laughs> so what why does that have to do with six six six? What does that have to do with six? Why don't we just okay. say uh, for his number of man that number or that man is Nero? Nero. Okay, because I think. Um, you know, part of the reason, all of the reason that John used symbolic language throughout this is partly because he's talking about the state that is persecuting them, right? And so you're going to have to be careful about how you just, you're going to have to have discernment and um, about how you express these things, right? Is part of it. And, but, and so, okay. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, he's got to be careful, but he also mentions the city with seven hills. I mean, like, <laughs> he, that would have been blatantly clear. It was clear enough for people to understand, but I think it was probably clouded enough, a little bit like the Sibylline Oracles. I mean, uh, although I think they're even more, you know, clouded. But but that's part of what causes problems today. I think the person who was in the same a person who would have under who would have been in the same situation that John was would have understood very clearly. Uh, I think if you had the same kind of background that he did, if you knew the same kind of stories he did, that's what we talk about all the time, right? Is worldview, understanding the historical setting and uh, as as best we can. So let me talk about the number six sixty six. Then, so here's the interesting thing: I, I was doing some research and, and read a. Uh, a comment, a quote from a commentary uh, by uh, Bousset or Bousset, I can't remember if he's French or not, uh, but he he wrote around the turn of the last century, 1900s, and it, then he was able to say, well, s- scholars on the Book of Revelation have pretty much determined that Nero Redivivus is the point of Revelation 13. And in fact, he says it's almost incontrovertible, uh, like like most people think this, and that's one of the crazy things that that I face is somebody will say to me, oh, I think <laughs> I think 66, 666 is the barcode. And I'll say, well, here's probably what it is. And I'll explain this whole Nero Rita Vivis thing, and they'll look at me like I have a you know seven heads and ten crowns. And they'll say, what, did Nero horns. invent barcodes? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So anyway, you, you get what I'm saying is, but this has been the scholarly consensus for over 100 years. That's what that's what most so there's this there's most people don't don't approach the book of Revelation from a, a careful scholarly study though they they approach it from you know now from TikTok right from these weird things but let's get to the number thing because we got to we got to yeah. talk about it okay so six sixty six I think is a, it, I'm going to give you two two possible theories I think it is a gematria. And what gematria means is how to say this. Both in Hebrew and in Greek, um, you used your letters also as numbers. There was not a separate set of symbols for numbers. 
Okay, so okay. You, so you didn't have you didn't write a six. You, you didn't have a, like a letter, yeah. basically. You didn't have what we call Arabic numerals. Okay, okay? invented by by the Arabs. We didn't have that numbering system yet. Okay, okay. and you guys, you may have heard of Roman, Roman numerals, numerals, right? But that's <laughs> that's using letters in a, in a different kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. But but it was not until the Arabic number and the Arabic numbering system, by the way, is has changed all kinds of things about the way that we look at the world and think about the world and the way we're able to do things like statistics and all kinds of crazy things that that, that numbering system has allowed. Even uh, the invention of the idea of zero um, as, as a placeholder. So you could use the same, you, you only needed um, 10 symbols and then you could, you could write, you could express any number, um, you know, from mm-hmm. from zero to infinity. My, my sister's going to be loving this. She's a she's a math geek, so she's going to be loving this. But <laughs> finally, finally, no one, Brian, I, yeah. yeah, no one else will. But anyway, I mean, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, so, I keep going. So here's here's the thing, and this is this is what's hard for us to imagine. Uh, so so in 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 Greek, um, uh, alpha was one, beta was two, gamma was three. So every word could also look like a number. Okay, that's that's the thing I think you have to get your head around in order to understand how gematria works. Okay. We don't think that way, right? Mm-hmm. But but the name David, for example, would have in Hebrew had a numeric um quantity to it. It would it would have had a numeric value. Okay. It was a name, but it was also a number. Okay. Classic. Like, <laughs> and and that's people played around with that idea and they would use this idea of gematria to sometimes use numbers to express names in symbolic ways and what i think 666 stands for is neron kaiser which is the the greek way of saying caesar nero <coughs> emperor nero that's what i think john is saying in 666 i think he's saying that it's like Nero. I'm going to give you the application in a minute. We're just talking about the meaning right now. Okay. Okay. I have a question though, before you continue. <laughs> okay. I've also heard that in some manuscripts, it's 616, yes. not 666. I'm going to tell you that is the best reason for believing the, this, this, what I'm telling you. Oh, um, because in, in, uh, Latin, the name is not Nero as it is in Greek. It's Nero. And if you do Nero Kaiser in, in Gematria, it comes up 616. So in Latin later, and in Greek. Later, it, manu, later manuscripts that were, 666. were during the period were 616, 616. Uh, mm-hmm. 616. During a period of time when Latin would have been a more common language than Koine Greek, um, they used a different Gematria. <laughs> Okay, so for me, in Greek six six six, it works out. It's Nero six one six in Latin. Kaiser. Mm-hmm. It works out. Nero Caesar. Nero Kaiser. Yeah, they, okay. there's no soft. We say Caesar. There's no soft C in in either Hebrew or Greek, okay. um, or Latin. I don't think. I don't. I don't know Latin. But um. <laughs> I'm I'm struggling with English these days, bro. Well, we have a soft C. Um, yeah. Anyway, so. So, you know, and I, I know that that really 
freaks people out away. <laughs> but go back and read it again. I want you to read that passage again. And and I think so. He's uh, first. Let, let me set it up again. We've we've kind of lost maybe the the whole context again. Remember, he talks about the first beast, which I think is is talking about Rome and the emperors. Mm-hmm. Then he talks about the second beast, and and both of them are working in conjunction with the dragon. Right? They're mm-hmm. speaking dragon speak, and 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 both of them uh, are working in concert. The local officials, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them, priests, leaders, mm-hmm. and and the the um, government I- I- empire, right? Yeah. The empire are working together in order to bring about this this persecution, uh, including saying who can buy and sell and who's going to be left out of those kind of things. Uh, you know, to participate in the system, you have to participate in the in, in the in the cult in the cult and in the whole the whole nine yards uh, or it's going to cause problems for you. And so, I mean, you know, you could get exiled to an Island, for example. Uh, and so, <laughs> well, it depends on the Island. I'll be honest. Probably not a, not well, a probably Pat, not a Roman prison Island. <laughs> Patmos but. looks pretty nice these days, but I think it would have been pretty barren and pretty lonely. <laughs> um, it was a way to get rid of your enemies, right. Without killing them. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so anyway, but, but, uh, so what was I, where was I going with this? So, so I, I think that's the meaning of this. So now listen, listen to what what this this passage about the mark of the beast has has to do again. All right. So are you going to read from fifteen or sixteen? Yeah. Uh, sixteen. Okay. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. Okay. So I think he's saying, who's this referring to? This is referring to Nero and his kind. Okay. Now I said I was going to give you two two ways of looking at this. There is another way, and and I'm again, people don't believe me when I tell them this. Most commentaries on Revelation, especially most, of course, you're going to get wackadoodle as as we like to say sometimes, uh, commentaries out there. But 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 most recognized scholarly commentaries, this is what this is what you're going to read when you read them. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not. Um, there is at least one other thought out there that I think is is worth talking about, and that is that that so, so throughout Revelation, the Book of Revelation, and 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 Greg Beal, who I have a great deal of respect for, he's written a couple commentaries on Revelation, not he, short ones, in case you're interested. <laughs> well, there's a shorter one, um, six hundred pages versus one is shorter not, than the other. Yes, um, but he he takes on this. He says every number in Revelation is symbolic. So why wouldn't 666 be any different? Mm. And one of the ways that you see this is to see six as a number that is short of perfection. So seven is used clearly in the book of Revelation to talk about the number of completion, or mm-hmm. some people use the word perfection. Um, uh, and and so six is just short of that, is, is imperfect, right? Is not uh, not quite what it not quite what it is. And three times, some people say, well, this mirrors the Trinity or, you know, basically it's kind of a, kind of a false, um, uh, understanding of it's a little bit less than God, right? It's, it's it's God-like. It has the appearance of God, but it doesn't, doesn't, uh, have the same power. Uh, you know, and you see this with the first beast, second beast and the dragon, perhaps that they're, they're that kind of, uh, um, you know that that kind of um, less than they're trying to be divine, but they're not 
not they quite, quite making it. it. And the wise one, the one who knows, who's really the insider and understands, is able to see through the disguise, right? Which that's is the, the, is the, the wisdom. The wisdom that's that the whole can point. see through the. Because again, at this point, I mean, would this be right as Pax Romana, the great Roman peace, is happening? Well, it had been after that. I mean, Pax Romana had already been instituted before this. But, but uh, this was a, a pretty stable time of Rome mm-hmm. still when this was written. Yeah, relatively. I relatively. Mean, yeah. As much uh, as the, Rome was ever truly stable. <laughs> well, the. the, the but it seemed yeah, it's, unstoppable even it's still. It's stable then, as long point. as you're. It's stable. Here's the, here's the key, and this is what I think John's talking about. It's stable as long as you're on their side, right? Mm. Uh, if you're not. Uh, if you're not accepting the the gods and the the cult worship, and you know, if you're not participating, you're the outsider, right? Uh, you're the one who who's who's getting the brunt of of the government's um, disfavor. Is I guess the word I'm looking for. Yeah, and, and that's I, what I think. Yeah, I, my, my point was that I think it, maybe at this point, it's as you're a Christian, you think. The Rome is never going to fall. It's like it is sure. the dominant force that right. is driving everything. Yeah, so when absolutely. you see it as, you know, you kind of talked about it, it's like a little short of divinity, but like it's still you're seeing the power of it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, ruling power over you. Yeah. And for most of the world at this point, yeah. known world at the point, but like yeah. it's kind of seen as a um, I think we talked about that before. Even I think when we talked about Daniel as talk Daniel talking about Rome coming through, it's just yep. grinding things yep. out, and it's like submission, like Submit, you are submitting you, to their su- authority. Submitting to their authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know, just thinking as a Christian, you have to that at that point yeah. kind of going. I know God is God, and He is over all things. But this world right. that I'm living in, it feels like this culture, th- this this system is the dominant system, yeah. and it, and it that's, can't I be think defeated. The, I think that's the application we take away from it. I think the application of this for us, and, and in some ways, what, whatever you know, if you think I'm off my rocker with the whole gematria thing, uh, me and all the other you know people who study Revelation a lot, um, if you think we're off the rocker on this, the the point still pertains, which is uh, which is that we have to be discerning about participating in a system that that draws us away from recognizing God as the true sovereign, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that, that's why I think we have to be very careful. You know, that's why Christ is Lord. Uh, Jesus is Christ is, a, as I've said before, a political statement. Uh, it's saying I'm not recognizing Caesar as Lord. I'm not recognizing uh, Caesar as Savior of the world. I'm recognizing Jesus as the Savior of the world. And his kingdom is a different kind of kingdom than the empire of Rome. Uh, and, and I think it's still relates to us today, whatever nation we find ourselves in or whatever government we find ourselves in, uh, there is a temptation for us to want, uh, how do I say this, to be called to participate in that system to the full uh, in our culture, whether or not it is promoting godly things or if it is anti-Christian, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is against the things of Christ. Uh, and that's, that I think, Always in Daniel's day, in John's day, and in our day, it requires us to be wise and discerning people as we think about um, our role within society and, and community, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and we're called to be faithful. That's that's the discipleship part of this. We're called to be faithful and to remain true to the testimony uh, of Christ, um, no matter what the cost for us, right? Yeah. And, and that's that's I think the the, the 
primary point that's that's being made here. Yeah, I, I'm thinking back last week when we had Chad on. He was talking about, yeah. you know, I asked him like, how do we not drift away? Like, how do we become resilient? Right. Like, that was his main things, and he's he's talking about reading. But like, at least as you are on your phones or whatever, like, engage your brain and like right. like how do you discern what's happening? Yeah. And I think that wisdom is such a key piece because I was also thinking about the beginning of Revelation is about these churches. And, you know, that these churches, there seems, you know, we get this idea that they're lukewarm, like that they're living as Christians, but there's been places where they have absorbed cultural pieces of this. They've absorbed... some of the the marks of the beast, exactly. you know, I, like I have it, this. I have this, this is against a church you. that's right. ex- absorbed parts of yeah. these. And Jesus is saying, "I have this issue with you, and I I can remove my light from you know from your yeah. from you." Um, but kind of going, that's the whole point of this book is, and I think that's this whole book is about that discipleship and in the church yes. and how do we do that? And I think that's the tough part for us. Yeah, you know, I think we're, you know, I also think about as we think about why people are drawn to this, I think there's also a sense of kind of go, how do I make sure I'm not that? You know, yep. if that's the bad thing, how do I make sure I'm not right. that? And I think that is the trick is, and I think it's wisdom. You yeah. know, it's it's that constant reflection piece of coming back like, what what is this, yeah. it, you know, what does this mean? And I'm just going to tie everything together. We've been doing this season. <laughs> um, we talked, one of the things when we talked with, uh, or we were at the conference with Jody yeah. Owens a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, he talked, yeah. this is Jewish meditation literature. Yes. And that Jewish meditation literature was, it wasn't just to read it and go like, I know it. Exactly. It was to come back and read it and read it again reflect and it. reflect yeah. on it. And it reveals itself to us. And that is the essence of wisdom as God is working through his word to reveal like that is, that is an, that's how we become wise is we reflect right. on God's word and become, um, uh, that, that's how we, we capture this wisdom. You know, that's James talks well about said. praying for wisdom. Yeah. James talks about yeah. praying for wisdom, you know, and it comes down, you know, from heaven above, like true sure. wisdom to help us, um, you know, there's wisdom of the earth that is evil and corrupt, and then there's wisdom from God. And so yeah, I think wisdom is the key, the key phrase here. Yeah, and it's in it, that, that, you know, we, you and I, and, and I think Chad too, all tend to be, we, we tend to, to head toward the cerebral, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're head people. And uh, th- there's a way in which that needs to be reflected in our lives as well, that needs to be, you know, manifesting itself in our interactions, you know, I use the word relationship a lot when it comes to, to what we're trying to maintain and trying to restore uh, proper relationships. And, and so it should manifest itself in those relationships that we have with others. And, uh, you know, that's that's what we're called to. And it's not an easy it's not an easy mm-hmm. task sometimes. It's yeah, not and, an easy and it's thing. not just about how do you identify it, but it's how you live in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I think that's the things we're quick to slap a label on something, but then it's kind of going, well, what does it mean for me, a Christian, right. to live in that context yeah. and, and the midst so, of that? So I think John, again, he's writing for his original writers or for his original readers, but I think it it still has meaning for us in that we we are also tempted um, to, you know, for the sake of commerce, you know, for lack of a better term, for the sake of uh, ease of uh, our lives, mm-hmm. uh, to compromise our faith, you know, we're we're constantly in that in that temptation. So. Yeah, if if your faith is always accommodating. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like at some point right. you have to say like, if my faith accommodates everything, is it, is there, yeah. 
what what's the is culture the the thing or is my faith right. in Christ exactly so, and yeah. and that's I think that John's saying is like you can't accommodate everything in culture and maintain your witness as a Christ exactly. follower exactly yep I yeah. think that's I think that's the main point all yep. right well hey there we go we've solved all the world's problems <laughs> we know that six 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 is referring to Nero or six one six I think oh yeah. no we know we've settled this Brian <laughs> Morgan Freeman is the, 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 he's not the mark of the beast he's the one who was doing that. <laughs> Who was doing that National Geographic special? <laughs> you know the guy who read the Bible. You know the guy that read the Bible. Yeah, he was good, man. He was great. Have you ever heard him reading the Bible? I haven't heard him reading it's the Bible. Good, but have you? I was going to say another cultural reference. If he's the mark of the beast, he was the painted man in Robin Hood, Oof. Prince of Thieves. There you that go. the witch. In, but okay anyway this is <laughs> stupid at this point i'm just going to shut my mouth but morgan freeman read the bible as brian has told us and we solved the mark of the beast so yes. thanks so much for listening <laughs> with us um invite you to sign up for our email newsletter yeah. on our website um i didn't get one out this week it's my yeah, it's my, it's my it's birthday coming. it's coming oh happy birthday Ryan! thanks it was yesterday i'm old man well, Hickory happy, these days happy day after your birthday yeah Yep, my hips just wouldn't get me out of bed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but sign up for that. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube. Subscribe there. Or if you're feeling generous, um, we would love for you to. And to accept your generosity, you can support us on Patreon. Yeah, you can support finally... this work. It's, uh, you know, a lot of you I know really like it, but it's uh, it, it costs us money to do it. And so we're hoping, uh, hoping to not always have to pay for it. <laughs> Hoping I mean, to have some yeah. help to share. We, we've had help. We have help, but you oh know, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. We, uh, yes. It is. Uh, we are. We are subsidizing the bistro. So yes. if you enjoy it, we'd, we'd love for you to help. So thanks so much, Brian. All and right, I think are we are we going to start a new series yeah. next? New series. I new think series. Next week. And I'm calling it the Oneeders. The, the word wonders, but O N E D D E R S. What it's gonna it's gonna be about? It's a reference. To it's the... a reference. You'll love it. We'll 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 release the beast next the week. The wonders. The yeah. wonders. All right, all right, Brian. Well, well, I'll see you next Tuesday. All right, see ya. Mm -hmm. Bye bye. Bye.